I thought we would talk about Rosh Chodesh. I mean, the suggestion that, you know, Stephen made the suggestion or brought up the, the possibility of Hanukkah um, because we're getting close to Hanukkah. I feel like it's a little bit, uh, still, still a few weeks away, maybe a little bit premature. Maybe we'll have more opportunities to learn before then. So uh, maybe we'll save Hanukkah. But Rosh Chodesh is something that um, we celebrated, obviously, 12 times a year. Really, one of those times is, is Rosh Hashanah. So maybe that doesn't count. And then, uh, and then we celebrated those, you know, half the time, it's two days. So we, we celebrated a, a good number of days uh, throughout the year. And um, the question is, what is really the significance of Rosh Chodesh? Everybody takes for granted it's a special day. Sometimes you have special meals, special gatherings, or uh, uh, special shiurim. Uh, and obviously we have special tefillot. But I thought it might be interesting for us to uh, look at some of the different features of Rosh Chodesh and try to understand what is it that makes Rosh Chodesh special? Or as I would like to say, I would like to put it, um, is Rosh Chodesh a holiday or not? Because it seems like our religion can't quite make up its mind as to whether Rosh Chodesh is a holiday or not. Because when you look at the different features of Rosh Chodesh, it kind of straddles the fence between being a holiday and not being a holiday. So well, let's think about some of the, uh, the, the characteristics of Rosh Chodesh and put them into the perspective of this sort of a model. Is it a holiday or is it not a holiday? So uh, we know that Rosh Chodesh, by the way, was the first mitzvah given to Am Yisrael. Not the first mitzvah given uh, to Jews, because the first mitzvah was Brit Milah to Avram Avinu. But the, the first mitzvah given in Egypt to the Jews was a Chodesh Hazelachem Rosh Chodeshim. So even before they had the opportunity or they had the mitzvah to do the Korban Pesach, to celebrate Pesach, to leave Egypt, they already had the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh. A Chodesh Hazelachem Rosh Chodeshim. This will be the first month because of course the Torah counts the first month as the month of Nisan, not uh, the month of Tishrei. So even though we think of uh, Tishrei as Rosh Hashanah, beginning of the year, really according to the Torah, <coughs> And according to the biblical uh, timeline, whenever the, whenever the Tanakh will tell us a month, it will use uh, as its point of reference the uh, Nisan as the first month. So even, even what we think of as Rosh Hashanah is actually the seventh month. So, uh, uh, so it was the first mitzvah. So that, now, we can also, in a way, indirectly connect this to Hanukkah, because if you remember, uh, everybody remembers the story, of course, of Hanukkah of Antiochus, and the three, or really four, mitzvot that Antiochus was very against. One of them was Brit Milah that we mentioned before. One of them was, uh, was uh, learning Torah, actually. And one of them was Shmirat Shabbat. But the fourth one that everybody wonders, you know, why was he so upset about that was, was Rosh Chodesh. You know, it's mentioned in the book of, Ma- uh, of Maccabim that he was against Rosh Chodesh. He made it illegal to celebrate Rosh Chodesh. So, like, most people would say, okay, Brit Milah, we understand. That's a major... Uh, ritual mitzvah, everybody does it, and you know it's really a defining characteristic. I mean, until uh, you know nowadays, especially in America, not so much in Europe, but especially in America, people who were born in my generation, uh, like in the latter part of the twentieth century, uh, a lot of Gentiles are also circumcised because for a while, for a while, it was believed to be healthier uh, to uh, to circumcise. So the uh, uh, so, uh, you know, they believed it for various reasons they thought it was healthier um, to, to do a Brit Milah. So uh, a lot of people in my generation, even if they're not Jewish, they have a Brit Milah. But for centuries, and definitely in the times of uh, Antiochus, Brit Milah was something that really distinguished a Jew from a non-Jew. 
And if you would go to the locker room, so to speak, you would be, you know, they would, they would have a bathhouse or whatever it would be very discernible for a person who was Jewish. We understand that why Brit Milah would be controversial in if, if Antiochus wants everybody to be the same and everybody to accept the Syrian Greek uh, uh, culture, so then he's going to be against Brit Milah. Shabbat is something that, you know, one day a week Jews don't work and they, they, they are separate from everybody else. And, and you know, again, it's a very distinguishing uh, practice. Talmud Torah, of course, is the lifeblood of everything. You learn Torah. That's, that's how we imbibe our culture and, and knowledge and understanding of Judaism is going to be what distinguishes us, our, our perspective. You know, instead of learning, you know, one of the things that totalitarian uh, governments do is they try to control what people can learn. They try to control the, the ideas that people are exposed to. If you look at North Korea or China, any, of, any government that is really interested in preventing its uh, citizens from access, from exposure to... Uh, competing ideas, you know, that's a, yeah, that's a feature of, uh, of totalitarian uh, government as opposed to, let's say, uh, dem- democratic governments that uh, promote knowledge and promote, uh, they, they, unfortunately, they also end up promoting a lot of exposure to a lot of stupid, uh, uh, foolish ideas, but, you know, that's the, that's the price that we pay for having freedom of speech and freedom of uh, expression and so on that we also end up getting bombarded with a lot of nonsense, but uh, we figure that that's worth the, the cost of, uh, uh, of education. So uh, in totalitarian governments, you know, where they have l- limited access to internet, limited access to any kind of information, so we could understand why somebody who's trying to control the population and, and assimilate everybody to one way of thinking, like Antiochus and the story of Hanukkah is going to want to get rid of Talmud Torah. Don't learn about Judaism. Don't learn about Torah. The Soviet Union was the same. They pr- tried to prevent Jews from getting any kind of Jewish education, and they were pretty successful. Um, in doing that with, you know, very few holdouts. So the, uh, so the question is, Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh is an exception to the rule because Rosh Chodesh is like, I mean, why does he care about Rosh Chodesh? Rosh Chodesh is, seems like the least significant day, okay? We say, Yalev Yavon, the Tefillah, and we have a Musaf, and I mean, you know, what, what, what's such a big deal that Antiochus was against Rosh Chodesh? So seemingly, he saw Rosh Chodesh as a threat. We have to understand why that is, why he gives such importance to, to Rosh Chodesh. Now, um, another thing about Rosh Chodesh that's interesting, just another uh, data point that we can consider, is that uh, the Torah talks about, when the Torah lists special days, it says, Uvyom simchatchem, uvmoadechem, uvashechotchechem. That among the days that are special, the days of holiday, the days of joy, and Rashechotchechem on the Rosh Chodesh. These are days that they would blow the uh, trumpets in the offerings, uh, accompanying the offerings in the Bet HaMikdash. Now again, that might seem like, okay, it's somewhat of a detail, but the fact that Rosh Chodesh is singled out as a happy day is interesting. Another aspect, uh, another clue that points to Rosh Chodesh being a special day is how many aliyot do you have in Rosh Chodesh? Aliyot la Torah. Four aliyot. Now that's something very interesting because there's a halacha that says on a weekday we always have three aliyot, right? Even if that weekday is, uh, uh, there's a, a simcha in the Beit Knesset and you want to add aliyot because of the special day, uh, you're not allowed to, right? It, you're only allowed to have three. En mosifin. You're not allowed to add any additional aliyot. And the reason is, does anybody happen to know the reason? What's the reason? Yeah, basically, but not exactly. I mean, it's a different type of, uh, a different type of thing. It's mipnei bitul melacha. Because people have to get to work. You know? 
So I, they probably didn't think of just one aliyah. They figured once you have Mosifim, you know, Enla Devar Sof, and it's going to go on, they're going to start selling the aliyot, they're going to be there for, it's going to be another Yom Kippur of one hour Mosifim. Who knows? They were worried, you would have Smachot, you have this, and, and you'd end up having a very length, lengthy tefillah, and people would be late to, to work. So that's why there's no extra aliyot allowed on weekdays. But on Rosh Chodesh, having a fourth aliyah, just like we have a, a fourth aliyah, on Chola Moed. Now Chola Moed for sure is a day that is supposed to do have less work because it's a quasi-holiday, right? So having four aliyot sort of indicates that it's somewhat like a holiday because we're, we're making the Torah service a little bit longer. Now, of course, we have Hallel. Hallel on Rosh Chodesh is only what we call a half Hallel. It's not really half. I mean, if that's not half, we, we skip two paragraphs. We call it a half Hallel. Really, it's te- technically it's called Hallel Bedilug, right? It's called a halel that you skip. It's not really called a half halel in Hebrew. Um, that's just something that we call it, I guess, in English. I'm not sure if anybody calls it chatzi halel in, in, in Hebrew or not, but definitely wouldn't be accurate to say it's half the halel. We're just skipping two paragraphs in the halel. And because of that, you have the big controversy, which we're not going to step on the landmine of the con- controversy of whether you're supposed to say about ha on halel of Rosh Chodesh. Big discussion, machloket between the Rishonim, actually, going back, you know, uh, a uh, thousand years, we're not going to get involved in that. Just the fact that it's a partial Hallel raises questions about the status of the Hallel, whether there's supposed to be a Bacha or not. But having a Hallel suggests what? That it's some kind of a holiday. Because you don't just say a Hallel on any random day that, you know, you think it's a special day, so you decide to say Hallel, you know, just introducing Hallel, you don't do that. Uh, for no reason. You have a Brit Milan, the Beit Knesset, and decide to say Hallel. You have a, a Chatan comes, you say Hallel. We don't have that. Hallel means that it's a holiday. So the fact that you have Hallel, even if it's a, a somewhat diminished Hallel, we're saying less than a full Hallel, but it still seems like a type of a holiday, right? So you would, you would agree. So, so and, and for sure, even if, uh, you know, without getting into the discussion of saying the Bachar not, the only other time where we say a partial Hallel actually is on Cholam Moed Pesach. That's the only other time. Cholam Moed Pesach and Rosh Chodesh. That's it. Okay? So these are all uh, indications that it's like a holiday. Another obvious indication that Rosh Chodesh seems like a holiday is you have a Musaf. Even Chanukah doesn't have its own Musaf. Even Purim doesn't have its own Musaf. But Rosh Chodesh has a Musaf. Now, why does it have a Musaf? It has a musaf because in the korbanot of the day, in the Beit HaMikdash, just like on any holiday, there was an extra sacrifice, set of sacrifices actually brought on Rosh Chodesh called the korban musaf. Now you don't have any day in the list of days that have extra korbanot. What do you have? You have Shabbat, you have Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and... Rosh Chodesh, right? In fact, Rosh Chodesh Musaf is the same Musaf as first day Pesach, or all of the days of Pesach. So, it, it doesn't, if, if you were to look at the Korban Musaf, it certainly sounds like it is identical to, if you just looked at the Korban, it looks like uh, Pesach. And yet, it's not really considered a holiday as far as we could see. But what we, what we can gather from this is that there's a lot of elements to it that look like a holiday, right? It's like, a holiday without being a holiday. Now, what is the one story, and I, I, I'm sure some of you are going to immediately know this because it wasn't that long ago that we encountered it in some setting, but I don't want to give you too many hints. There is one case in the Tanakh where there is a reference to Rosh Chodesh being observed as a type of a holiday. 
Does anybody know what it is? In the Tanakh. Yeah, in the Navi. In the Navi. Right, they're having a banquet, right? They have a banquet, and this is the test. This is the test. Is is David going to show up or not? Right? David wants to show Yonatan. Yonatan is a person that he, he wants to believe that his father doesn't really have uh, a vendetta against David. And he wants to believe that his father still loves David. Shaul is the first king, you know, who, who has a, starts out loving David. But once David becomes more popular than him, then it becomes a real issue for his paranoia. And he's very insecure and he wants to kill David. And Yonatan becomes best friends with David. Yonatan is the son of Shaul. So you have a real conflict because Yonatan's best friend is David, who is going to be the next king and the, and the ultimate, you know, king, the, the, the founder of the dynasty of, of the Jewish people. And his own father, Yonatan's own father, Shaul, is the current king who's supposed to be displaced because he messed up, okay? So imagine the, the kind of a conflict that Yonatan has. He doesn't want to believe that Shaul hates David. So he says, let, let me do a test. So David and, and, and Yonatan devise a test. The test is that David is not going to show up for the banquet of Rosh Chodesh. And we're going to see how Shaul responds. Now, it turns out that Shaul does not respond well. He, well, the first day, and you also see from that that they had two days Rosh Chodesh. Right? That's another interesting thing, that they also had two days Rosh Chodesh. Because they had first day and on the second day. So the first day he said, okay, maybe David had a personal issue, he didn't show up. But second day already, he didn't show up two days, he starts to question, where is David? And it turns out that Yonatan says, well, David wanted to go on a trip and I gave him permission to go and so on. And, and, then, and then all heck bro- breaks loose and Shaul starts going crazy and Yonatan realizes that his father wants to kill David and all that. But what you see from there is that they had a royal banquet on not just one day of Rosh Chodesh, but both days of Rosh Chodesh, which is really, really interesting. That suggests that in, the ta- in biblical times, people did not uh, necessarily go to work on Rosh Chodesh, or at least it was a day of less work, like a Cholam Mo'ed day, where they would take it as a, a special day. They would take time to have a banquet. I mean, that's, you can't just have a banquet on a random day in the middle of the day. So obviously people typically observed it as some kind of a special thing. And there are, um, in some communities, even till today, you know, women that don't uh, have a thing of, of having special things for women on Rosh Chodesh, or they don't go to work, or they have a special uh, shiurim. For women, that's a whole other thing. But the point is that, they, that the idea of Rosh Chodesh being a special day, being a day that was treated as a holiday, you see in the Tanakh times, it definitely had that, that element. Okay, and even in, I'll give you another example, at the end of the book of Yeshayahu, we read it on Shabbat Rosh Chodesh, when Shabbat falls on Rosh Chodesh, Midei Shabbat B'Shabbato, Midei Chodesh B'Chodesho. It says that every Shabbat and every Rosh Chodesh, everyone is going to come to the Beit HaMikdash, not only the Jews, but even the Gentiles are going to come to the Beit HaMikdash to acknowledge Hashem. Right? It's going to be every Shabbat and, uh, and every Rosh Chodesh. And, uh, and also another example that I just thought of is uh, also from a Haftarav not long ago, um, in the story of Elisha, when the, when the lady, the Isha Shunamit, when her son dies and she wants to go uh, to, the, to the Navi, she, the, the story is that, you know, uh, she's always providing hospitality to the Navi. This is in the, in the book of, of Melachim. So she's always pro- providing hospitality to, to Elisha. And uh, one day he asks her, what can I do for you? And she says, uh, and, and he realizes she doesn't have any children. So he blesses her that she's going to have a child and she has a child. But then the child one day is out working with his father in the field and he passes out and he apparently dies. 
and she doesn't tell her husband what's going on. She runs to Elisha to see if he can make a miracle. That's the whole story. But when she's going to see the Navi, um, uh, he says, why are you going to see the Navi? Lo Chodesh velo Shabbat. It's not Rosh Chodesh and it's not Shabbat. So apparently they had a custom of gathering around the Navi on Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh. These were days that people would come to the Navi. These were days that people had off, seemingly. These are people, days that people had free to go do that kind of thing. So, um, and anyway, all of the, the reason why I'm mentioning it is just that we see that Rosh Chodesh is kind of like a holiday, but it's kind of not like a holiday. Um, in fact, in the Musaf, we see that we're praying really for the coming year, um, but we say a very interesting language at the end. We say, You gave us Rosh Chodesh, you gave us the laws of Rosh Chodesh. You established the laws of Kiddush HaChodesh. Because Kiddush HaChodesh, we take for granted that you get your Chabad calendar every year or wherever you get your calendar, you know, whoever, or the Mashiach calendar, whatever calendar you get for your times and your Chagim. Um, and it's just done for you, you know. It's done by an algorithm. It's done by, you know, mathematical calculations that were established to almost 2,000 years ago. Um, so it's, we don't even think about it. But in those days, they actually had Kiddush HaChodesh. It was very complicated. They decided on a month-by-month basis based on testimony or based on astronomical calculation when the Rosh Chodesh was going to be. And then in terms of the, new, uh, uh, the leap years, which this is another leap year again, um, that's determined now by a, by a formula. But in those days, it was done on a year-by-year, case-by-case basis. It was much more complicated and the halachot of it are very complex. So this is what is emphasized. The idea that the Chukei Roshei Chodeshim, that Hashem gave the rules of Rosh Chodesh uh, to us, that that's what's, uh, what's significant. And I, I always thought that language was fun, kind of a funny language. Uh, why, why is that what we're, what we're focused on in the Musaf? That the Chukei Roshei Chodeshim, the, um, the rules of Rosh Chodesh, uh, and the determination of Rosh Chodesh. So just to take a step back for a second and try to, to explain what is this phenomenon of Rosh Chodesh is Rosh, and, and, and obviously you know and I didn't even mention this but maybe the most obvious thing about Rosh Chodesh is that we say Yalev Yavo we say Yalev Yavo in Rosh Chodesh right and, and, and Yalev Yavo is what we normally the only day that's not a holiday that you say not a full holiday that you say Yalev Yavo is, is Rosh Chodesh and uh, wh- what is Rosh why is that by the way if you ever notice this is a very interesting thing the tefillot oftentimes are based on the Torah. They're based like directly on the, on the language of the Torah. So um, where do we get the idea that you should have Yalev Yavo for Rosh Chodesh? Because of the pasuk that I mentioned earlier. Uvyom simchatchem uvmoadechem uvrashechotchechem. It lists on your happy days, your festival days, and your Rosh Chodesh, you should blow the chatzotrot. You should, you should blow the trumpets. And it says it should be It should be for you a remembrance before God. And what is the remembrance? When we say what are we saying? What should come before Hashem? Our remembrance. Because it mentions in the Torah that on the holidays and on Rosh Chodesh, our remembrance should come before God. So that's So now just getting back quickly. So what is the reason why Rosh Chodesh is so valuable? What's so important about it? So one could argue that Rosh Chodesh in a way, I mean, Rosh Chodesh is kind of about nature, right? It's obviously about the cycle of the moon. It's about nature. And what do we read on Rosh Chodesh? We read Barachin Avshi. That's the Mizmor that we read. The Mizmor of Baruchin is a very, very beautiful, it's kind of long, but it's very, very beautiful, describes nature and describes as part of nature human beings going out to work to do their thing, but as one footnote, you know, on the beautiful unfolding and cyclical 
uh, processes of nature. You know, just like nature blooms and 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 develops, and a person goes out to work and comes back home at night. The sun rises, the sun sets, the moon comes. You know, all of these things, the cyclical aspects of of nature, are mentioned in Baruch Nafshi. So Rosh Chodesh, if 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 I were to ask you Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat, what's really the difference? Well, what's the difference? Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat, yeah. What is what is the source that we do Baruch Nafshi on Rosh Chodesh? The, the actual source of that particular... Is that an ancient custom? It's ancient, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. It's probably from Masechet Sofrim, I assume. Uh, most of those... Most of those... Minhagim uh, are from Masechet Sofrim. I would guess it's from Masechet Sofrim. I didn't double check, but I, I, would, I would guess. Um, the, uh, but it's definitely ancient. It's not, it wasn't read during the Korban Musaf. Like sometimes what we read is based on what they actually read in the Beit HaMikdash on that day. Usually the Shir Shal Yom is what they read in the Beit HaMikdash on that day. It wasn't read in the Beit HaMikdash on that day. But, um, but I, I think it's probably in Masechet Sofrim. But I could double check on it. But it's definitely a, a tradition of all communities to do it. So what's really Rosh Chod? And you see that the Torah mentions Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat together. And it, or the Tanakh does. And Yishayahu it's mentioned in the Torah when it introduces... Um, the Chagim, you have Shabbat and immediately after Rosh Chodesh, right? In the Musafim. Uh, when it talks about, uh, when it talks about it, uh, in, in, with Elisha also, Lo Chodesh Velo Shabbat, these are connected. W- they both connect to the idea of Bereshit, of creation, right? They're both related to the creation. One is the initial act of creation. Remembering, Zecher Lema'aseh Bereshit, remembering the initial act of creation. That God created the world in six days, rested on the seventh, okay? Rosh Chodesh is the cycle of creation that renews itself, okay? Not the event of creation, but the cycle of creation that continues. What? Right? Yeah, so, so that you see that, that, that nature, like, because from the sun, you don't really see a cycle. You say day in, day out, but you don't see the cycle. There is a cycle, actually, that we have, Birkat Chama, but it's very rare. It's like uh, once every three decades, so uh, we, don't, we don't experience it as much. But Rosh Chodesh, you see the waxing and waning of the moon. The ancients noticed it. They saw that. They really paid attention to astronomical things, but especially the moon. And, um, and, and, and in order to, uh, uh, there's agricultural issues that they wanted to keep track of and so on that had helped them with that. Uh, so the, the moon is the sign of the cyclical aspect of, of creation. The fact that things continue on in a cycle and renew themselves, basically, again and again. We see it in nature in the seasons, but in the, in the Rosh Chodesh, we, we see it on a, uh, on a level that is, uh, you know, more focused. Now, what is the reason why, what, what makes Rosh Chodesh different than Shabbat, aside from the fact that Shabbat is about the event of creation, and Rosh Chodesh is about the cycle of the, the constant self-renewal of creation, what, and, and by the way, that's what it mentions in Birkat Levana because it says Birkat Levana. When we say Birkat Levana, we say that the Jewish people should renew themselves like the moon renews itself, right? The idea of the renewal, but Rosh Chodesh has another aspect. And this is Chodeshim Lehem Kavata, that Hashem gave us the laws of Rosh Chodesh. Okay, what do we say? Mikadesh Yisrael Rashi Chodeshim. And it was the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people because Rosh Chodesh shows the power of the human being to be involved in the mapping of time. Shabbat is fixed. Shabbat comes every seventh day, it doesn't matter what. It could be Tisha B'Av, it could be Yom Kippur. It doesn't matter what day it is, Shabbat is going to come on the seventh day. Right? 
So that, 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 that never changes. Shabbat is Shabbat. It's fixed. It's independent. We say Mikadesha Shabbat because the Shabbat, the Kedusha Shabbat comes from Hashem. We have nothing to do with it. No involvement in, the, in, in determining Shabbat. Rosh Chodesh, we take an active part in it. They would have witnesses come. The Bedin would discuss it. They would evaluate the evidence and they would decide the Rosh Chodesh. So in a, they become partners with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the, in, in the creation. It's a sign that we are partners. Now it's true that there are Midrashim that say about Shabbat that when we acknowledge Shabbat we also are partners with Hashem in a certain way. We're partaking in, we're involved in completing the creation in a certain way because we are joining with Hashem in reflecting on His active creation on Shabbat. But this is more, this is action. This is not just reflection, but action. We're actually determining. There's a Midrash that I think I've mentioned in the past that it says that the Malachim asked Hashem, you know, what day is Pesach? Uh, when, is, when is Yom Kippur? When is Pesach? And Hashem says, why are you asking me? Ask the Jews. They're the ones that decide. Mekadesh Yisrael Vazimanim. The Bet Din is the one that decides. Not, I, I don't decide. They tell me, so to speak. The Jewish people take an active role using the rules. And we know if you learn Masechet Rosh Hashanah, you learn the Halachot of Kiddush HaChodesh, there's leeway that the Bet Din has to determine Rosh Chodesh. Sometimes even if, the, even if what they decided about Rosh Chodesh contradicted what the actual astronomical facts were, in terms of when the moon appeared, it was okay. They could not accept the witnesses because they wanted to make it later. They wanted to bump it further. Or, you know, they had all kinds of different ways that they could trip up the witnesses and so on to make sure that the, uh, that the Kiddush HaChodesh was done. And we know that they fixed the calendar in such a way that certain holidays never fall out in certain days. How could it be that Yom Kippur never falls out on a Sunday and it never falls out on a Friday? Loa du Rosh, there are days that Rosh Hashanah can't fall out and so on. How did they do that? They did that because they have leeway in terms of fixing the calendar. They take an active role. We're not just passive. And that's part of what Rosh Chodesh is. So if you think about it that way, so now you come to the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And what is the first mitzvah that Hashem gives the Jewish people before they become an independent nation? You are going to be involved in your own calendar. You're going to have your own independent identity and calendar. That means that time belongs to you. Your time belongs to you. You're directing your use of time. You're going, to, you're going to map out your future. You're going to be an active agent in your destiny. You're not going to be passive. That's what Rosh Chodesh creates for us. It gives us a certain measure of power in that respect. Autonomy. It shows that we have a plan, that Hashem has given us a mission and a plan, and that we are active participants in making it happen. And part of the way we do that is by establishing and setting our months, our Chagim, Right, because all the chagim are, of course, dependent upon what days of the month, uh, you know, when the Rosh Chodesh falls out. For example, Chanukah this month is determined by when the first day of Kislev was. If it were a day earlier, then Chanukah would also come out earlier, and so on. Right? If there isn't a leap year or there is a leap year, then when Pesach is going to be is a month different. Right? And in those years, the groups of Jews, like the Karaites or whatever, that they don't accept Torah Shabbat Peh, they don't follow the uh, rabbinic rules, so they end up uh, celebrating the holidays on a totally different time than us uh, because of that. So, the, so it is a measure of independence, autonomy. It means we are our own nation and we have our own purpose and we are involved actively in, in using our time, in defining our own units of time. And that's the, uh, we're not just passive recipients of time, so to speak, passive victims of time, but we actually take an active role in, in and it's Kiddush HaChodesh, it's a sanctifying of the month. We don't say Kiddush Rosh Chodesh. Kiddush Rosh Chodesh would mean that we're just, that we're sanctifying the day. 
which it is true. We say the Betin says Mikudash. They say that they declared as, but it's called Kiddusha Chodesh. And when you say, really, you say to somebody Chodesh Tov, the whole month should be good, right? So the idea is not just the day, the whole month. So the the Kiddush is that we are taking an active part in sanctifying the month. We're deci- deciding and defining how we're going to use our time. We're active participants in the creation of the giving of significance to time. That's the amazing thing about Rosh Chodesh. So with that idea, you could see now why the Jewish people to become an autonomous nation, they have to have their own calendar, right? They have to have their own power of Kiddush HaChodesh and how Antiochus, who's trying to make everybody fit into his conception of calendar and time and his plan and his agenda... And to, uh, you know, and to basically uh, have to sacrifice their autonomy to fit in with whatever system he has created uh, for his people. He wouldn't want them to have Rosh Chodesh because Rosh Chodesh implies we are a separate entity. We are a separate nation. We have our own sense of time, of the boundaries of time and the use of time. And the interesting thing is that actually there's a Ramban in uh, in Parashat uh, Bo that mentions that the Jewish people always measure their months by redemption, which is which is really really interesting. So why do we measure Rosh Chodesh, the first month of the year? Our months in in the Tanakh until later, until after the Babylonian exile, the months of the Jewish year did not have names; they just had numbers. So Rosh Chodesh. Chodesh HaRishon, first month, that's Nisan. Chodesh HaSheni, second month, Iyar. Chodesh HaShlishi, Sivan, we call it today. But in the times of Tanakh, they didn't have the names. So we're just the first month, second month, third month. What were they counting first month, second month, third month? To Yitziat Mitzrayim, to the Exodus. That's what we count from. We start counting first month from the Exodus. Okay, Our independence, our redemption is the beginning. The Ramban says really remarkable observation. He says, he says the same thing, by the way, with regard to the days of the week. Everything revolves around Shabbat. We don't have a day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like the nations of the world. Monday is the day of the moon. Each one is de- named after a different god. Saturday is Saturn. Sunday is the sun, obviously. Right? They name them after different gods or whatever. We don't have that. We have Yom Rishon, Sheni, Shlishi. First day of Shabbat, second day to Shabbat, third day to Shabbat, fourth day, everything revolves around the Shabbat, right? So when it comes, that's when it comes to Shabbat. When it comes to months, it's based on our national experience, our independence. So first month is the month of our redemption. So the Ramban makes a really, really fascinating observation. He says, once the Jewish people came out of Babylonian exile, which was, they were exiled and they, after 70 years, they came back to build the second Beit HaMikdash. So at that time, they adopted the names of the months of the Babylonians. So the name Kislev, Tishrei, Marcheshvan, Iyar, Sivan, these are all Babylonian names of the months. They're not Hebrew. So if you hear rabbis a lot of times saying, oh, there's a gematria of the month of Kislev, it means this, there's a drasha of the month. It's not really, you know, based on, on Hebrew because those month names are Babylonian names. So you got to be careful with those uh, derivations that people make from the names, uh, names of the uh, months. Elul, Anile, Dodi, Vidodili, all these things. It's not necessarily true because really they're not Hebrew words. They're Babylonian words. But the Ramban's point is that why did they do that? Because they wanted to have a zecher. They wanted to have a remembrance to the redemption from Babylonian exile. 
So just like they had in the months of the year a remembrance to Yitziat Mitzrayim, by counting the first month was Nisan, or the first month that was the month of Yitziat Mitzrayim. So when they took the names of the month, they took it from the Babylonian months to remember the second redemption that they had, which was the redemption from Babylonian exile. I don't know what we're going to do for the third one, what we're going to name it after. Uh, then we'll have to think of some other, uh, something else. But the point is that, what does that show you? It shows you that independence and autonomy of our national identity is shown in Kiddush HaChodesh. So when we first became a nation, we started counting the months, one, two, three, based on our, na- our national identity, our independence. Second time around when we came out of exile, Again, we took the names of the Babylonian months in order to signify that we were now freed from the Babylonian, uh, uh, Babylonian exile. So the, uh, th- that's the concept. And that's why Antiochus had such a problem with it because it shows our sense as a redeemed people, an independent people that we're on our own track. We're not on the track dictated to us by any human ruler, any human society, any king, only Hashem. And, uh, and so we reaffirm that whenever we have Rosh Chodesh. And the ultimate reaffirmation, of course, is the biggest Rosh Chodesh of all, the Rosh Chodesh that almost every Jew comes to Bet Knesset, which is Rosh Hashanah, right? The ultimate Rosh Chodesh of, uh, of all the Rosh Chodeshim is Rosh Hashanah, which is the rededication to the idea that we are not on the track of any other king, only on the track of Melech Malchei Amlachim, only on the, the, the path that Hashem has set for us. That's the only one. And we rededicate ourselves to that. Why is it only a quasi-holiday though on the Rosh Chodesh? Because just the fact that we have that power is not itself the holiday. We're celebrating the fact that we are on this track. We're celebrating the fact that we have this independence. We're celebrating the fact that we have the zechut to be following the, uh, to, to, to be partners, to be active partners in the redemptive process that Hashem has uh, engaged us in and, and has set us on. But that is more, that's ultimately it's expressed really on the Chagim. It's expressed on the holidays. So the power to do it, the ability to do it is a reason to celebrate. The fact that we have that independence and we have that autonomy is, an, is a reason to celebrate. But the full expression of it is on the Chagim themselves. When we really connect with Hashem on, you know, uh, around some specific theme in our service of Hashem, that every holiday is, revolves around a specific theme in our, in, our, in our relationship with Hashem. But the idea of Rosh Chodesh is constant reminder that we are part of a different track. We are not on the calendar of the nations of the world. Calendar means their plan, their system, their mission, their sense of goals, their measure. What do you do? You have a monthly report in your business, you have a quarterly report. That monthly and quarterly is, or, you know, taxes have to be filed a certain time. All those, the, the fiscal year, all of these things are measuring success and thinking in terms of a system that is man-made, right? Our system comes from Hashem. Of course, we participate in it actively, but ultimately it has a transcendent, it has a sacred purpose. That's why it's Kiddush HaChodesh. It's our participation in sanctifying time towards the goal of serving Hashem. And that's why it is a holiday. And by the way, there's also, you know, every, uh, the, the, uh, the idea of this renewal of our focus on being, uh, on having this special status is, uh, is also why a lot of people in every Erev Rosh Chodesh, it's called Yom Kippur Katan. There are people who fast every Erev Rosh Chodesh. There was a Korban Chatat to purify the Beit HaMikdash 
just like on every holiday, on every Rosh Chodesh, because it's a time of renewal and reconnection with our role, with our identity as independent, freely choosing servants of Hashem. That's the idea of what Rosh Chodesh is, that nobody else dictates to us the terms of time or how we use our time or how we understand our progress or how we think about our purpose, that that comes from the relationship between us and Hashem and not from any other source. So that's a reason to celebrate and why Rosh Chodesh is so special and why somebody like Antiochus uh, or, or maybe King, you know, Kim Jong-un or, or, or maybe Putin or anybody like that would not like the idea of Rosh Chodesh because of their dictatorial um, desire to uh, force everybody into the mold of their creation. Well, I hope that, uh, do you have any questions? Or I, I know you probably have a time, uh, time uh, schedule of Mincha and things like that, but uh, if there are any questions or any points that anyone wanted to add? Just a quick question. Well, the years are, is more complicated because in, in Halakha, we measure years actually on two different tracks. We measure years in months and we measure a solar year. Right? There's two different years. So there, there, the question of what they did prior to uh, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, it's not entirely clear what their concept, how they determined a year. The difference is uh, between a solar year and a lunar year is about 11 days. Because the lunar cycle, 12 lunar cycles will take you 354 days. And as everyone knows, one solar cycle takes 365 days. So our current Jewish calendar incorporates both. We actually have, we have units of months, but when we start to fall behind in the seasons, because the seasons are based on the solar calendar, obviously, so we have to overcorrect by having a leap year to put us back on track. The Islamic calendar doesn't have leap years, so they, that's why Ramadan could be like hypothetically any time of the year, because it's always falling back, because they only have a lunar calendar. That's what would happen. So I would guess that they probably, for agricultural reasons, would have to have used the seasonal calendar of a year of the sun. But it's not entirely clear how they, you know, how they worked out the balance between months and, and years uh, prior to the giving of the system of halakha that we have now. We don't really necessarily, we, I don't know if, that, if we know. Thank you very much, everybody. And Chodesh Tov. And uh, hopefully, uh, I would love to do this another time. If we have the opportunity to do uh, more shiuri, it would be great. Uh, whenever we can fit it into the schedule. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Can you send me some? No problem. I remember from when I was there 